Recovery Radio, where we discuss substance abuse treatment and recovery. You can listen live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. Please note that the views and opinions of our hosts and guests are not necessarily the views of OCG, nor is it meant to replace professional advice or the advice of your physician. And now, here's our show, Roach on Recovery, with your host, Orville Roach. Welcome, welcome, folks, to Roach on Recovery. This is your host, Orville Roach, along with my producer, co-host, call screener, clip dropper, Chris Morales. Indeed. <laughs> 646-564-9909 is our number. 646-564-9909 is the number if you want to call in and speak to us. Just want to listen to the show, you can go to our show website, and that's at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. Again, that's blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG radio. You can also listen to the show via our call in line if that's your only means. You got to do it. All right. season is over we're going to be a brief chat for every show yes to talk football get used to that sound clip so uh i am just thoroughly disgusted you (laughs) i can see where this is gonna go uh other than uh my new york football giants winning last thursday it was a terrible sunday for my other teams and therefore i have nothing to add to this segment of the disgust, misery, and whatever other negative thing you could think of in regards to being a fan. Yeah, well, we can take whatever the host here has just thrown out and multiply that by about 100. And I know all you other local 49ers fans know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, Is it, I think, Colin Kaepernick, if you add his interceptions and points he gave up off of interceptions, i.e. pick sixes, the number would be larger than the amount of yards he had in the total game. I think he threw uh, four picks. Two of them went for six. So that's 12, 4, 16. Okay, he had like 30 yards in the total game. So 
Yeah, not very good. And I really don't care. <laughs> of course. And 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 just for future reference, when you utter his name on our show, please use his appropriate name of Colin Pumpernickel. Uh, it's it could be anything. It's worse than that. It's not looking uh, it's not looking too good for us. All right, we'll bring it back next week. Hopefully, we'll have better luck on both sides. We'll see. All right. <laughs> I believe last week I said I had some news I wanted to talk about. You sure did, and I was really waiting all week to drop that clip since I love that clip. So since April, locally in our local community here in San Mateo County, California, there are only five residential substance abuse treatment providers, of which we are one. And we have been trying to... There is a housing crisis in the local Bay Area where we live, which comprises approximately seven counties, call it. Okay. Okay. And for my East Coast brethren, think of it as boroughs. So with the housing crisis and what's creating the crisis, obviously, is the the boom in housing mm-hmm. costs. Right. Um, and the avail- availability of housing is very low compared to the demand. Right. And so that has increased the cost of housing exponentially. And for substance abuse treatment providers who lease their properties have been caught in this bind of trying to uh, basically the owners of their properties wanting to not renew the leases or opt out of the leases, whatever the case may be, because they want to develop the properties for housing. Obviously, the displacement, we've already had a number of programs close as because of this issue. Uh, I should say a number of a number of facilities or homes belonging to the five residential providers closed in the last year. So OCG, we're kind of fortunate we actually own our facility, but that does not, you know, allow us to escape the pressures of the, you know what I'm saying? Right. And so we kind of went as a group to the Board of Supervisors, and again, for my East Coast brethren, that's like going to the mayor or the city council, uh, asking them to provide some kind of relief. One one thing that we asked for was that for every single substance abuse treatment residential bed that exists in the county, that it should be funded. There should be no unfunded beds. Right. So we asked for that. So if a provider has beds and if they're all funded, that will help the providers go side. Sure. Okay. And then simultaneous to that, we asked if um, there can be some mechanism through which the county can help providers who own their properties provide a means for them, if they have equity, to access that equity because we've been unsuccessful through tra- traditional means, i.e., all the banks have said no. <laughs> right. Okay? They don't want to lend to a nonprofit unless you're like a $200, $300 million nonprofit. Yeah, we're, we're talking Pfizer. Red Cross and things like that, okay, which we're not. And so last Tuesday, um, 
the board, what was on the table was for them to approve a plan of allocating uh, $5 million mm-hmm. through the Department of Housing, our local Department of Housing, by which providers can, uh, who own their properties can apply for, basically it's the county acting as the lender. Okay. So instead of us being having to go to a bank, we'd go to the Department of Housing and be able to refinance our properties, help pull out money, stabilize operations and things, whatever the provider might need sure. to refinance for. So they approved it. And so that's round of applause. Great news right. for the providers, the residential providers specifically. Can I and I don't can I interject and ask you a question because I know you've got knowledge about county stuff because of the position that you're in as well as legal stuff generally speaking. I know that um there is a law and I believe it's federal but it might might just be for the state of California that the government in a situation like this is something that I could imagine. I haven't been on this world for too long. I'm 31 years old, but can intervene and put a price ceiling when it comes to housing specifically. There's a law that protects people of the state from this huge kind of inflation in the cost of housing. So we learned about it in, in an economics class that I took. I'm just wondering if you have ever witnessed government intervention in a situation similar to the one that we're seeing now where you literally can't even rent a one bedroom apartment for less than $2,000, No, the only government intervention that I know historically is the government themselves building quote unquote affordable housing, hmm. which ended up being projects right. back in the fifties, sixties, the forties, whatever. Um, that was the intervention. Hmm. Um, that's probably not feasible right now. And when it comes to private homes, there's nothing the government can do. It's simple economics, supply and demand. Right, right. Um, so just like when the when the bust happened right. and prices dropped exponentially sure. and people were underwater, it was the same thing. Right. The supply was way outweigh, you know, outpacing the demand. Yeah. And so the prices dropped. To to the point that people are underwater in their mortgages. So right. that's enough of uh, economics. Yeah, uh, no, sure. One. But so we we're, we're, we were very pleased by that vote by the board. Of course. And uh, I believe it was unanimous. So that's good. There were no dissenters on uh, in terms. Of, no, that's important. Seriously, if mm-hmm. you have all five members on board with trying to help out the treatment providers, that's good. Now, between uh, last week and this week, the the article was in the paper the day before. Okay. No, I'm sorry, the day of, about well, the vote coming up, and then a little small article about the result the day after. But the article that was on Tuesday was front page, huge spread in our local newspaper, right? Right. And there were some comments written on the article. You know how people can comment online? About the whatever. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So there were a couple of comments. One about uh, we don't think the county should be get you know help, this is the term bailing out uh, yes. community based providers. Okay. Then another person worrying about whether or not the treatment beds are going to be used for local folks and not people coming from all over the state. I see. So I I had to respond to both and clarify some factual 
inaccuracies regarding the statement, and especially okay. the fact that it was not a bailout. Right. Um, if the Department of Housing offers the ability for you to refinance your property at a more favorable rate than a public bank, that's the same thing that's afforded to developers, affordable housing organizations, et cetera. They get to go to the Department of Housing to right. borrow money, and you have to pay it back. It's not It's not a grant. You know what I mean? So the way they kind of structured their comments was like we yeah. were getting a bailout. a bailout, and that was it. That was it. We were getting a chunk of money. No, you still got to qualify. You still right. have to have, you know, the the value in your property and the whole nine yards. So anyway, so that's good news for the providers for for once in California, yeah. the substance abuse and, and, treatment. Right, right. It's usually nothing but bad news, Yeah, which is unfortunate. Um, we Folks, we have to fight tooth and nail out here despite the fact that we live – in one of the wealthiest, if not the wealthiest county in the United States of America. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's if we're rough. not number one, we're number in, we're in the top three. Yeah. And I think actually, and I don't know how I stumbled across it, but I checked recently and San Mateo County was number one. So. Uh oh. <laughs> We've got something breaking and, um, I know we have a particular listener right now. I won't mention the listener who will be very happy to hear this news. But uh, Mr. Derek Rose, point guard for the Chicago Bulls, has just broken his orbital bone in a practice today. And, uh, his eye, eye socket? His eye socket. Oh, ouch. Yeah, that's a, that's a rough one. And ESPN is reporting that he may miss regular season time as a result of this. This man cannot stay on the basketball court to save his life. Mm. So uh, we're gonna we'll throw that out there to the public. Tell that listener to take down the voodoo dolls. <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll hold the name to yes. protect the innocent. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. In the sake of uh, secrecy here. All right. We'll deal with that when the uh, NBA season starts. Sounds good to me. All right. Thank you. 
Okay, all the graduates can now be seated. For historical purposes, I believe we changed up the graduation ceremony out here by actually trying to mimic a true graduation ceremony. Mm -hmm. We introduced the cap and gowns using the traditional graduation song, as we just heard, and uh, having our graduates turn their uh, flip their, you call it yeah, the, the tassel, the tassels, etc. So we really uh, said, let let's do it up and make it. Re- if you're going to call it a graduation, yeah, make, make it a graduation, make it a real thing. And so um, that that really came off very well when we started uh, doing that. Yeah, it was cool. So the graduate, and we're not talking about the movie, <laughs> right? Uh, and this applies globally. And, All of the programs that I know, uh, back east and locally here, have a graduation. Okay. And for those who meet whatever the criteria are for their program. And I know there are many people who are successful in their recovery process um, who never formally graduate. Mm Mm-hmm. And I know personally, as a as a, as a counselor, um, I have never, you know, overly pushed someone for that to be a goal. It has to be something you personally, and from yourself and within, have to say, this is something I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, however, when someone uh, does set that as a goal and eventually achieves it, it is something to watch and be and behold right um so what constitutes a graduate and again i think these definitions can be global but they're what we've kind of made up over the years uh through daytop through our common ground uh it starts with day one don't don't you agree yeah oh yeah I think beyond literal definitions of being a graduate, mm-hmm. when you think about it philosophically, it's about the whole journey. Yes. It's about the whole, it might even be before day one. Mm-hmm. It might be the week before day one where you decided you were going to give it a shot. Yep. So, yeah, it definitely has to start with day one if we're looking at terms of when you begin the your studies, so to speak. So let's, for the sake of time, we presume the person has completed the the task of treatment. Okay. Met all the necessary criteria and phases, et cetera. Okay. And one of the things that we ask them to do uh, to now see if they can achieve that last step is to uh, write a self-evaluation. Right. Um, in my program description, my show topic description, I wrote that it's uh, a summarized life story thesis, almost. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, I've, over the years, I've read many of these self-evaluations. Okay. And I've had the pleasure of handing many of them right back to them and saying, this is not acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, and And that was unofficially. Meaning that someone said, "This is can you when you want to go over myself value, tell me what you think." 
and I would yeah. read through it. And, the the and, edit. Yes, and I'd read through it and say, no, this is not an appropriate self-evaluation. And what made it not appropriate is that it didn't cover the, the, the it, it defeated the whole purpose of what we were trying to accomplish with the self-evaluation, which was a written document of you describing the words you used, which was your journey. Mm-hmm. Okay. We don't want to hear day top and OCG lingo. Right. Right. And, right. And we don't want to hear, you know, treatment talk. We want to hear from your mouth using your words describing your journey. And so we ask you to describe and somehow get across to us your un, you know that you kind of what your past was, uh, your understanding of it, you know the the attitudes you had, the behaviors you had, the beliefs you had prior to taking on this uh this recovery path that you're now on. And then we want to see as we the part of the journey, the the acknowledgement and description of the personal changes. Can the person you know enunciate that in writing? Right. Um but and again in their own words, not using daytop OCG language in your own words, describe it. And to be clear, we're not looking for grammar. We're not looking for spelling. We're looking for your own description of your journey. So we, so we want to know, I know it's in reverse, good, bad, ugly. So it's ugly first. <laughs> right. Right. And then bad in the middle. <laughs> okay. Ends with good. Ends with good. Um, but a part of that bad may not be so bad. It's it's the the light bulb going on, the acknowledgement and understanding of of how I thought, how I acted, what my attitude was, which is kind of realizing why I ended up where I ended up. And this is the part that trips people up, and kind of on the written phase gets it sent back to them. I think is the outlining or the stating of your future plans. Okay. How are you going to um, continue this journey? And I think just from my own personal experience, again, from reading numerous over the years, they overthink it. They try and write what they think you want to hear. And there is no, um, what's the word? Uh, There's no template for you to then write off of, you know what I mean? It's your future, not OCG's right, future or the right. other graduates, the person's future. It's yours. So yeah. I don't want to see standardized language. Yeah. The future that was pumped into you after the 17th confrontation group about exactly. what you should be doing. Exactly. I don't I don't want to see that. Um, I want to see your words. And, of course, if, if you know the person or you have known them throughout their 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 journey and treatment, you kind of get an idea of what their words sound like, yeah. and that's what you want to see because it has to be uh, it has to reflect them. It can't be some dry template on a piece of paper. And if a person, if the so the self evaluation should read and flow naturally. And you should be able to, as the person reading it, 
or even the potential graduate themselves reading it, be able to see, visualize in your own mind the experience that the person had prior to coming into treatment, the early days of treatment, when the light bulb went on for them and what they recognized, realized, so on and so forth. What did they need to do to implement change? And and what did they need to do to make that change stick? What are their plans for the future? How do they plan on implementing those plans, et cetera? So all that should flow to uh, a natural ending. Yeah. Now, one of the things I do, and this is just me personally, because – and this is always sincere, but I always try and just get them just to think about it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. You know, and as they're wrapping up in their closing remarks on the written statement, they really sincerely want to thank the program or thank uh, particular individuals in the program. I always stress, maybe overstress, the importance of not forgetting about you. Mm, right, right. The person right. who has done, done the work. 99% of the work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, it's fine to to acknowledge, the, you know, the, the environment being available to you so that you can do the work. But it's you who has done it, not this person, that person, so on and so forth. And so that's the written self-evaluation that precedes the oral confrontation. <laughs> the, the 38th confrontation group. The yeah. last and final confrontation. <laughs> right, right. But that, and that's, I think that's kind of a, a cool dynamic because if it was easy, mm-hmm. the second you qualify or you're eligible, you're in, it takes away from what it means. Yeah, if you just had to meet a written standard right, and, and you passed a written test, yes, it wouldn't... Uh, Right, but having to go through that type of conversation, confrontation with somebody who's been selected. And, and it is a conversation. That's the correct term to use. Right. Because it's not really a confrontation. Right, a exactly. Conversation. Yeah, we're, it is a conversation. Questions are being asked, and questions aren't being asked with the idea that this person or individual needs to be confronted. Yeah. Rather, you know, I'm interested in this part of what I read. Tell me more about this. and. Mm-hmm getting that kind of intimate connection with the individual who is accounting to graduate essentially. Yeah. yeah. So once the self-evaluation has been accepted and, and I, it, most programs I know, like I said, do have the same process by the way. Okay. Um, some actually do it on like they, as a requirement, I think we used to do this. Do we still do this? Do we still have our clients write a biography, self uh, autobiography when yes. they come in? Okay. Well, the self evaluation is a much more streamlined and, you know, summarized right. than that. So once that's accepted, once again, and by the way, this is all driven by the 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 prospective graduate. So like we don't when when a person completes the treatment criteria and phases, we don't reach out to them and say, hey, you want to graduate? This has to be self-generated. It's, you know, it's self-motivated. You know, mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. So they're coming to us or coming to the program and saying, hey, I want to pursue graduation. So they're handing over their self-evaluation. And once that has received the 
approval, that it meets all of the necessary, you know, what have yous, then it's about, okay, uh, and, you know, back in old school day top, um, usually the director would arrange with another director somewhere. And remember, there's a vast network of of directors throughout (laughs) the, the, the New York metropolitan area so lord knows where you may be going okay because you're not going to be orally evaluated by someone you know um so you could be up at swan lake and have to travel to suffolk county or travel down you know to 40th street or rockaway or where have you i have to go to far rockaway queens all the way from swan lake by the way or parksville i was working at parksville at the time okay so you then go to be uh, an oral evaluation in front of a minimum of two, usually three uh, persons for the purpose of speaking, making your case. And I know many, I know many that have gone to make their case and have been rebuffed (laughs) on the first go around. Yep. Okay. So what are we looking for? In the oral process, well, the most obvious thing is, has the person been clean and sober? Right. It's so obvious that I have to state it. You can't graduate if you haven't been clearly clean and sober. So we're looking for demonstrated abstinence from substances of abuse. We're looking for someone who's been gainfully employed. And stable in their employment. We're looking for someone, if they haven't been employed, that they are pursuing education. Correct. Or vocational training to gain a skill of some sort. Uh, We're looking for them to be able to demonstrate, and of course they're doing this orally, even though we may have read it in their evaluation document, the ability to cope with everyday life. You know, demands and responsibilities, et cetera, um, in a responsible fashion. And someone who can speak to understanding uh, relapse prevention, the recovery process, and how, where, when, or why may they seek support. Like, uh, give us examples, you know, of circumstances where you may reach out right. to any pe- kind of support any, network. Yeah, right. Peers, whomever. So, what are some of the mistakes? Have you, Mr. Co-host, have you sat in any... Uh, As an evaluator? Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. So, you can you have your own experience you can speak to. Yeah. Um. Have you experienced uh, turning away anyone? Yes. Okay. All right. I ha- I have also. Okay. Um, I think only one, but I've experienced it. Not not so fun from our perspective, as I could imagine, not from theirs either. But oh, I have no issue with turning them away. Okay. I, yeah, I, I think I feel just as bad as the person I've turned away when. Oh when no, I I, I come from a different era. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You, a, a much different era. You, <clears throat> excuse me, the era that you come from understands that this is just a part of the process. 
It'll make this well, individual stronger. Well, the person, I don't, uh, it is not a, um, how can I say this? It's not, it's not something that I take home. It's simple as that. I'm looking for, you know. I'm not capable of that emotion. <laughs> of course. Of course, it might. You it, separate your emotions from the uh, the task at hand. In addition to a different era, it might be the New York in you that doesn't mind so much when it, you've turned I somebody down. Never bothered to investigate. <laughs> but in all seriousness, though, um, probably, if I can recall, maybe just three over my years of the evaluations I've done that I've turned back. Because, you know, in the process, there it's a two-part process in the oral evaluation, the, the, the initial process of when they, they – I'm sorry, three-part, where me and you as evaluators are discussing – maybe we might be looking over the written evaluation, dis, uh, discussing any things that we might see that we might want to speak to or so on and so forth. A person comes in. There's then the initial conversation evaluation period, the person is excused. There's a discussion about whether we you know how do we feel about what we've heard. Yeah. Good, bad or ugly. And and then a I wouldn't call it a vote. It's really, you know, what's your take, what's your take, what's your take? And, you know, from there we decide. And then we call the person back, back in. in right. Um but the 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 potential graduate one of the things we do make allowances for, we're not looking for someone who is a great uh, – we understand, number one, you're nervous. Of course. Okay? Of course. Probably beyond, you know, comprehension. <laughs> and so yeah. it is the job of the evaluators to not only know that, understand that, but to kind of uh, smooth that out, mm-hmm. you know, whether verbally or – Somehow let the get the person at ease because you don't want them to, you know, it's not a job interview. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, we want the person to achieve this because they have worked very hard for it. The fact that they're sitting in the room is speaks volumes. Okay. Absolutely. And so uh, it's our part of our responsibility in this process to make the person as less nervous and as comfortable as we possibly can. Some of that's achieved through the manner in which we hold the conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and again, sitting in and learning from others and seeing how others do it, which teaches you ways not to do it and ways to do it. Because keeping in mind, the goal is you want the goal. You're walking in. You want the person to achieve this. You don't walk in saying, there's no way in God's green earth you're going to get this. It's the opposite. Right. You're hoping to send a graduate out of the room at at the end of the day. That's my singular goal. Yeah. Okay. And the only way that's not going to happen is if that person presents something that no reasonable person that knows the standards that we're trying to set would say that that person has met those standards or has been able to um, articulate them. You know what I'm saying? And again, we're not looking for perfection in speaking. We're not looking for perfection in, gram- uh, uh, in, in, you know, in your oral speaking capacity, abilities. Mm-hmm. 
it's uh, a sincerity, some ability to articulate the things that we're looking for, um, and be able to speak to understanding and accomplishments. Just, you know, basic stuff. Yeah. Okay. So we know that Obviously, we don't, we don't want to hear that uh, you relapsed two weeks ago. <laughs> but I just decided no. to keep the appointment anyway, just you know, right. to be responsible in that way. We don't want to hear that. Right. Um, we're going to ask about your work. So if you're, if you're employed, we're going to ask about your work. Um, or school if or you're school, not. Or school if you're not. Right. Um, what those goals are, how you're going to, uh, you know, what the ultimate end game is if it's school or vocational training, et cetera, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think where we really spend most of our time is in um, talking about dealing with life. Okay. Because as addicts, evident by being an addict, uh, we didn't deal deal very well with life on life's terms. We turned to other means of escape, and unfortunately for us, we chose ones that weren't too healthy. Not so healthy, right. right. So now the question is, how are you dealing with life and the things that life shows at you, throws at you, whether it be financial issues, relationship issues? We know what the two top reasons are for relapse, right. okay? Um, issues regarding... Uh, family, family, you yeah. know, if 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 you you know are putting back together a family, whether it be a spouse, mm-hmm. whether it be a spouse and children, whether it be just your immediate immediate family, siblings and parents, etc., whatever it may be, health, health. If there were any health issues, mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you about that stuff. Um, and that usually takes up the majority, from my experience, of the oral aspect. Because, of course, there's the inquiry, us asking the questions, and then allowing time for the person to elaborate yep. and, and speak to it. Um, I personally am looking for sincerity, like I said. Uh, if we are pointing things out, that maybe they're not speaking to a recognition or acknowledgement of, of, of missing that. I guess I'm saying, uh, I don't want someone that's defensive. Okay. Okay. Um, hence why you like to set the feeling or tone coming in as trying to get them as comfortable as possible. Cause it would be easy to be defensive if you felt like you were walking into an attack. Yes, and and that's not to say at times because times there is good cop, bad cop. Right, sure. And it's not necessarily reflected in tone. It's reflected in the inquiries. Mm-hmm. So I may be asking you about thing, leading questions that are very easy for you that I may sense are very comfortable for you to speak about. Mm-hmm. The other person... And remember, we've already ironed this out prior to. Right. And we already, we know we have, or we know a little bit about you. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other person may be asking the tougher questions that may make you a little bit uncomfortable. Sure. Okay. 
um, let, let, let's say, let's use an extreme example. Let's say we know you had a history of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you took, you know, you went through domestic violence courses and, and, and classes and everything of that nature to change that aspect of your character. Mm-hmm. Okay. We may ask you about that. Right. And, and we may ask you in certain questions in certain ways and we may be per- purposely trying to push some old buttons to see how you respond. Does the old you come out? You know, the smoke start coming out, the air sacks or what have you? <laughs> right. Or is there a calmness and, and sincerity about the, the, the change in character, mm-hmm. an acknowledgement, admission, and, and, you know, things of that nature. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and taking a responsibility, previous behaviors and, and so on and so forth. So we want to hear that, see that. And most importantly, and I can't emphasize this a month, uh, uh, enough, we want to feel it. It can't just be empty words. Because if we don't feel the sincerity of what you're saying from me, you're not going to get an okay. You're not going right. to get a, a, a yes vote. Right. Because it's just going to be, I didn't feel them. It just, were, it just seemed like empty words, like they memorized uh they're reading out of their pa- their their packet, and they're telling me what telling us what we want to hear. Um, so for me, that would be a reason to rebuff a person. Um, and I think what's important to state also is when someone is, what's a nice way? Do we do we say rebuff? Do we say rejected? Do we say what do you say when someone doesn't achieve when they get turned down? Is that the term turned down? Rejected is a good one. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Turned down. I don't think we've ever nailed down a term to call it. <laughs> Uh, when someone does not denied deny it, they get denied their graduation. Uh, when that happens, the person is told what it is specifically. It's not left to, to guesswork. Right. We yeah. tell them specifically where it was that we felt that they did not meet the standard. Meet the standard, or or, or really, um, you know, knock it out to to let us know to. So we can walk out of the room and say, hey, we got a graduate here. Yeah, like no doubt. You know what I mean? And so we give them the information they need in order to go back, uh, uh, you know, recuperate mm-hmm. emotionally, mm-hmm. mentally, et cetera. And um, sometimes it's all about coming back and representing and coming from a different space. You know what I mean? Like don't come from your head. Come from your belly. Yeah. Okay? That's what we want to hear. Because even if it's ugly, that's the truth. Right. And that's all we're looking for. We're not looking for per, uh, for perfection. There's no such thing. I think that's also part of the – it should also be part of the orientation, letting the, letting the person know, the potential graduate know that, you know, this is a mistake people make, not – well – both sides make this mistake sometimes. This is not done in the orientation when the person comes in and the p- potential or prospective graduate themselves doesn't realize that there is no such thing as perfection. All we're looking for is to, to know who you are and do you know who you are and can you tell us who you are? Right. Did that make sense? Yeah. So there's three knows, there's three know who you are is there. <laughs> All right. You know what I mean? Yeah, but so, I think we followed. Okay. So it's do you know who you are? 
Can you tell us who you are? And will we feel that you know who you are? Yeah, that's good. Okay. All that right. works. Yeah, it's a, there's a lot of who you are's in there, but I think generally speaking, people people can get the sense from us talking about it mm-hmm. that we are trying it's it's a sincere personal evaluation. Mm-hmm. That you know, that's the bottom line. Who you were and what you've learned in that past life, what you've learned now and who you are now. Right. Who you're planning on being. And when you get to know somebody like that on a sincere level or have that kind of a genuine conversation with them, I think true colors come out mm-hmm. anyway. And you get a true sense of who's sitting in front of you and where they're going and, you know, what they want to do. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. So usually um, the evaluation is closed out with once we really talked about personal issues and, and flushed those out and gotten the responses that whatever they had within them to give. Um, we then kind of talk about, as I said, we, we now we want to talk about relapse prevention. What do you know? What have you learned? What's your plan? You know, your plan. Um, what's your understanding of the recovery process that you went through? And of course, who are you going to call? <laughs> Ghostbusters, right? <laughs> right. You know, when something, you know, when you need support, you know, or or where you, what you're going to do. Not necessarily who you're going to call. What are you going to do if you need support? Closes out the uh, the the main portion of the value the oral evaluation period. We then send them out, and as they used to say in Saturday Night Live, I forgot to skit the lead actor's name, but we talk amongst ourselves. Okay. And we come to a decision on whether or not do we have a graduate or does this person need some more introspective work and to come back. And we make our decision and we call them back in and we let them know. And, of course, the uh, the glorious and the fun part is when we can let them know that they have uh, met, met, the criteria, met the criteria, met the standard, met the congratulations. Standard and, and you are now a graduate. You're a part of an elite peer group. Exactly. Um, now I'm going to shift a little bit and talk about a couple of things, a couple of them personal. One, it's not the personal one, but anyone in daytime who uh, went for their evaluation in Rockaway, in Far Rockaway, the entry unit, Mm -hmm. I believe was very fortunate. I was one of them. I don't know others, but I'm just saying. And I can't speak to other places um, because I'm not, I didn't go there, so I wasn't aware. Okay. But one of the cool things that Rockaway had and what they did was when you be, when if that's where you went for your evaluation and you achieved your graduate status, they would announce it over the PA system. Oh wow! As you were walking out. That is cool. And so you were then coming downstairs from the sixth floor, which is where they usually held it, um, and get off the elevator and you'd go out into the dining, the main dining area. Yeah. And, and basically you're coming out now as a graduate Yeah. and everybody would be clapping and, you know, and, and acknowledging you. Sure. That was great. That, yeah. That's you know? awesome. That's yeah. something that, I mean, I'm sure people listening right now who have not or will not ever experience graduating from a program such as that mm-hmm. could envision you paint a picture that anybody We'll remember that forever. That's a lifelong memory right Right. there. So for me personally, that's where I went for my graduation at Rockaway. And uh, I was 
uh, evaluated by three directors in Rockaway. Okay. And are we dropping names? Or are we? No, I, don't, I actually do not remember their names. I okay. just know that they were three directors, and um, my graduation went uh, f- um, smooth. My evaluation went smooth. Um, what I remember about it the most was one aspect, one line of questioning, okay, and then when they brought me back in, what they said to me, and so I'll tell you. The line of questioning had to do with making a connection between the types of drugs that I chose to abuse uh, versus what I didn't use and what that said about me. I think I remember you telling me this before. Okay. And I said I never made that connection. Yeah. Okay. So they sent me out the room. Okay. And when I came back in, they said what hit them the most was my acknowledgement that I never realized that. Instead of scrambling for an answer because now you're nervous, oh, God, I'm not going to graduate if I can't answer this. They said them with the honest truth. They said that is what impressed them the most, that I was able to say to them that didn't realize it, didn't recognize it. It makes sense to me now. Mm-hmm. But I never put the two together. Yeah. And what we're talking about, and I can I can say it, I can let our audience know. Sure. It they when they asked me what drugs I used, <clears throat> they noticed that I never I didn't mention alcohol. Right. And they asked, Well, why how come you never used alcohol? And I said, Well, I didn't like to use anything that would cause me to never to, to control. never not know what I'm saying or what I'm doing. And that's how I always viewed alcohol, so I never right. drank. <clears throat> right. And so the connection they made to that was one of the things we picked up is that you're very measured and seem to always want to be in control yeah. of what you're doing and saying. And so they said, they, they pointed out, said, so be aware of that as you move on and, and onward. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how it even came out in the drugs that you chose. You didn't want to, you, didn't, you chose not to use a drug that would allow you to be out of control. Right. Okay. And so I took that to heart, never made the connection between the two. I just said, no, I'm not using that because I always want to know what I'm saying and what I'm doing. Yeah. Now, the second thing that I remember the most, by the way, my wife came down with me because we were living upstate in Liberty, New York. And so we drove down in our 1976 Toyota Corolla station wagon. Okay. Which we came out to California, and we didn't drive it out here, but it came out with us, by the way, and eventually was humanely euthanized at some point. Um, she was, you know, uh, I'm not even sure if she got out of the car, to be honest. I think she was still sitting in the car throughout the whole process. Hmm. But when I, and after I came downstairs and the evaluation was over and I achieved the graduate status and everything, I got back in the car and she said, what happened? I said, you know, I got it. You know, I got my graduation status. And she congratulated me, et cetera. And uh, then she said, which will forever go down in in infamy. And I've repeated this as, and I'll be repeating it again, to other graduates in the, you know, that have come behind me. And she said, well, you know, after she congratulated, she said, well, you know, so what? Mm-hmm. 
do you think that means you can just go out and do whatever the hell you want to do? Right. <laughs> right. And that right there, just I'm going to make a clapping sound, brings you right back to reality. It's not an ending. It's a beginning. Right. And just because you graduate doesn't mean that you get to do whatever the hell you want to do. The train keeps going. Mm-hmm. You got to keep doing what you were doing. Keep moving. And that accomplishment was just a, you know, it was just like a, 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 a step along the way. Yeah. It's not the, the be all and end all. And then so you graduate and that's the end of it. And all right, I guess I've done it. And now uh, that's it. No, right. it actually should be the beginning. It just start something new to, to keep moving onward. Right. That's exactly right. So that was what we would call a dose of, uh, old-fashioned British reality. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what it was. But that's great because it emphasizes the point. We say that a lot when we are a part of a coin ceremony. And I believe we've discussed coin ceremonies. Actually, let's I'm ex- certain. Let, you sure? Yeah, I'm certain we've discussed coins because I can remember telling people about the quarter and the pay phone. And okay. We've discussed it on the show before. But anyway, coin ceremony is basically the graduation from inpatient to, to outpatient mm-hmm. and then graduation is you finished the outpatient po- process the as whole well. program, yes so we use that kind of analogy all the time like don't look at you getting your phase four what is now phase five mm-hmm. as you have you're done you you've arrived, you've arrived. It, it is now truly a new beginning mm-hmm. a mark of something else and, and you got to move forward mm-hmm. and so that analogy is holds true through every process Mm -hmm. of what we do here. Um, I think the other thing I want to just emphasize before we wrap up here is that um, when we do deny somebody and they have to come back, the, it is very important that when we, when we, when we have denied them, the information that we've given them, Mm Mm-hmm for them to go back, take a look at, reconfigure themselves and come back and represent. And to me, because I know many people who've been denied on the first go and, and, and come back and got it on the second go around. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, some, some of them you've taught, I've talked, I know them personally from way back, you know, old school daytime folks who didn't get it on the first go. I mean, I know people when I was, a staff at Swan Lake and they drove all the way down to wherever, God knows who, wherever in New York and came back, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night. And, you know, you could see the long look on their face. They didn't get it. Yeah. But they had to go back at some point, you know, two weeks, three weeks, maybe a month later, um, you know, whenever it could be scheduled. And the look of them when they got it was like, it it was like made it even sweeter, (laughs) you know, that, you know, that, uh, whatever it is you had to do, correct or re, you know, take a look at and or introspect on and 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 represent um, was done, was accomplished, and enough for them to say this person's got it. Mm-hmm. So, I think I'll nickname myself the denier. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's that's a good one. Yeah, you'll be you'd be the one that they didn't want to hear or see coming through the door. Who's going to be the one evaluating me? Oh, you got the denier, actually. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that would, that's a good one right there. <laughs> I'm only kidding, folks. 
I think I've only I think I sent only three people out <laughs> back to come back. Oh, that's not bad. Then no, over twenty five years, that's not bad. Yeah, I'm probably worse than you yeah. then because I've been a part of sending one back, but I've probably only sat in on like three. So okay. I got a thirty three percent clip. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's the graduate. Um and I think I'll close with this because a person recently asked me this question. Once you are a graduate, you are always a graduate of the program. However, you're a graduate, you're, you're, you're a graduate in good standings. Your standings can be pulled. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the privileges that come with being a graduate. So some of the privileges that came with being a graduate is that you can go into any daytop facility, any OCG facility, okay, and visit and give mm-hmm. back. Have lunch or dinner even. Mm-hmm. Okay? That was the, the you know, the, the privileges that were granted as a graduate. Right. Okay? I remember when they used to, when we used to, uh, when, as a resident, sitting at the front desk in Swan Lake, graduates calling up saying, hey, I'm just calling to make aware that I'll be coming up to visit you know, on such and such weekend, you know, and we'd have to put in the book, you know, it was like they had such, you know, clout, clout mm-hmm. with the, their, they were, you know, like dropping their graduate status, you know what I mean? Um, but it had weight to it. Mm-hmm. That's how we looked at it. Like, wow, you know, because that's something that we were aspiring to. Yeah, it's a big to, deal to be. Um, and so I tell all the clients that, you know, when you when you graduate this program, you will always have a home. Always have a home. You'll always be able to come back and give back. And uh, you know the old unwritten philosophy: you can't keep, keep it, it unless you give unless it away. You give it away. Mm-hmm. And so we always try and reinforce that with our graduates, old or new, purpose. We're coming back, mm-hmm. and we'll feed you at the same time. That's all I got. That's um, pretty, being a graduate. That's pretty good. I think uh, we knocked this topic out of the park and um, gave people a general sense of what it is. And hopefully, uh, anyone who is on the line who finds himself in a part of something where there is an end in sight and it's going to be hard to get there, but they hope to get there someday. We'll find encouragement and or motivation minus coming face to face with the denier. Yeah. Don't meet up with the denier. <laughs> don't meet up with that person. So uh, are, are we completely spent here, sir? Are we going to take a commercial break and come back to wrap it up? Or are we, are no, we I think just, we're good. We're good and done. I think we're good. Beautiful. So uh, we are going to take a commercial break. It's a little past the top of our hour. We do see that we've got some callers on hold. We are going to get to you guys on the other side. Thank you for being patient and sticking with us.
on Recovery is a program of OCG Radio. It deals with many topics related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment and recovery. Our Recovery Support Time is a show segment where you can receive support from our host for any questions or issues you wish to present related to substance abuse, substance abuse treatment or recovery. You can reach our host live by calling 646-564-9909. That's 646-564-9909. Or you can send your questions via email at any time to ocgworkca at gmail.com. That's ocgworkca at gmail.com. And our host will respond to your questions on the air. Roach on Recovery. Recovery support time. A time for us to help you.
Okay, welcome back to Roach on Recovery. We were talking about uh, the graduate today. Uh, I'm going to start off, sir, if you don't mind, if we go directly first, because I got a couple of good X-File questions I want to get to. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Daisy writes in from Redwood City. How do I begin to trust people when I've been hurt by others in my past? It is very difficult to rebuild trust in general or specifically if you're trying to rebuild it with a specific person. But in the way she writes the question, I'm going to interpret it as in general. So she may have been hurt, as she stated, and when that happens, we as humans usually build our walls and defenses and because no one wants to experience hurt, being hurt. doesn't feel good. However, as we've noticed on many occasions, in the past on various subject matter on this that we've had on the show. Uh, there's no free lunch. If Daisy wants to get what she desires, she's going to have to give it up. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's say she's talking about a relationship, whether it's an inter, I-N-T-E-R, personal relationship, with her family, extended family, et cetera, or intra, an intimate relationship with a, a lover, so on and so forth. If she wants to have a healthy relationship, she's going to have to let go. That's what I meant by give up. Let go of the issues from the past, from those previous experiences. I think there's a term that we all use. We call it baggage. We don't take our baggage from one relationship to another. The baggage has to be left behind because if it comes with you, if you put it on your backpack and strap it over your shoulders and bring it with you into the next relationship, then the next relationship is automatically, before it even gets off the ground, poisoned. Doomed. And so it all comes down to what do we want and what are we willing to give up in order to obtain it? You hear that? What you won't do, you do for love. You'll try anything, but you won't give up. That's the attitude you need to have in recovery. You've got to love or learn to love yourself first. You've got to be willing to try anything that will help you succeed.
And most importantly, you can never give up. Visit us at ocgworks.org. OCG, where hope grows. What you won't do to do for love. You try everything, but you don't give up. Oh, <laughs> 